Hello there, this is Ryan and Victoria. You're listening to Needed Conversations. Welcome to the podcast. We are in a really cool series we started a few weeks ago. It's called Spring Cleaning, and it's all about mental health. We've talked about our journeys, and we've talked about some strategies that you can take to help combat anxiety, stress, even depression. And um, today we're going to dig a little bit deeper on the family unit and how really mental health um, plays a part in your life from the very beginning, you know? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. We wanted to talk about kids' uh, mental health because it's very important how a person is shaped early on in life because that's how uh, I think they will carry on through life and they will view life through that lens and are going to make decisions based on how they were raised. So it's very important not to suppress it. I know personally growing up, you know, in my community, and I know that's something that a lot of our parents did not, were not really aware of, like emotional needs or, um, you know, just talking through feelings and emotions. It's like, oh, you know, brush it off. You're good to go, you know. And I'm not saying that there are times that you don't tell your children to toughen up, but still, you, I think it's a very important time for us to shape our child in the way they're going to respond to certain things. And so especially nowadays in this world of social media and things that we don't really see as parents, we it's very important for us to um, address those as parents. It's, I think it's our responsibility that God gives us. So, you know, we looked up a couple of research um, things and um, according to a research at the McCormick Foundation, like at birth, an infant's size brain is only 25% of the size of an average adult's brain. Incredibly, by three years of age, a child's brain has grown to 90% of that of an adult. So during infancy and early childhood, children are flooded with new experiences that impact their brain development. So the first three years of child's life offer parents an amazing opportunity and accompanying responsibility to shape their child's growth and form healthy habits that will last a lifetime. And we can say, you know, sure enough with our kids as well. I mean, we have seen such an extensive growth and how much they pick up the, during these first few years that sometimes it feels almost exhausting to like, mm-hmm. you know, where is the payoff, you know? And I feel like with Mila, she is stepping into being five years old. I feel like that a lot of things that we have taught her has really started to carry through. So I feel like a lot of that hard work that we've been putting in, addressing a lot of these emotional things, and we're not perfect, but I could tell that she's learning to talk herself through it. Like a lot of times when she'll have a hard time, you know, Ryan taught her to say, just breathe. Cause she would get into this tantrum mode and she would just turn red and just escalate things. And so now she goes, I just want to breathe. Even though sometimes she does it at inappropriate times, like it's not the time to, to do this, but I am glad that she's picking up on that to, address even her personal emotions, you know? Yeah, just uh, developing the proper coping mechanisms. Um, After the age of three, really, your worldview is already set. And then from there, we're spending most of our adult life unraveling our childhood. Mm -hmm. And everybody will tell you that. And if you're listening to this right now, I'm sure that you can relate. You can think back to your childhood. And some of the things... um, that you do now as an adult as as a result of those experiences. Um, recently, I was talking about the wisdom in your wounds, and I talked about the fact that we all have 
scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and those scars tell a story. For me, I have these two little um, scars on my left forearm. And I wrote about this in my book, Constructing Paradise, because I didn't realize that being bitten as a child by a dog, my, my own family dog, I startled him because my sister was laying next to him. They both fell asleep. And I woke her up, and in the process, he was awoken and was defensive, jumped and bit me in the arm. My arm swole up, and now I have these two little scars, barely even noticeable. But for me, it left an imprint on my mind. And up until adulthood, I still was afraid of dogs subconsciously, mm-hmm. even to the to the point of me avoiding um, a certain area in my neighborhood. When Victoria and I first got married, I lived in a, in a house. It was the first house I had owned. And there was this little course around my neighborhood that I had tracked, and I knew that it was one mile. So I would run my one mile every day, and I would avoid this one place because every time I was running by, you know, these dogs would run down the hill barking, 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 and I was just, you know, fearful. And so I would avoid it. I would sneak by, try not to make noise when I was running past that that area until I got married to Victoria and she ran with me and it was just nothing for her. She heard the barking and she kept on running and surprisingly, the dogs didn't bother us. And she said, you know, if you don't bother them, they're not going to bother you. And it was so ingrained in me and I was trying to be macho, you know, we had just gotten married. But what I eventually realized was that both of those dogs had a collar on, an electric collar connected to one of those invisible fences. And so here I was afraid of something that was not going to ever affect me, but it was because of a traumatic experience in my childhood. Mm -hmm. And we all have those emotional scars that even play a role in our mental health as to why you become anxious or why you do certain things or um, why um, your coping mechanisms are out of sorts. And so um, it's important as parents to really take those first three years and even further on, but specifically those first three years, to give your children those skills to be able to overcome their emotions, to embrace emotions when they are appropriate, to not use emotions as manipulative tools, which children often do, Mm -hmm. but also recognize that when it's um, warranted for a child to cry, let them cry and embrace them and love them and let them know their emotions are a good thing but their emotions can also be dangerous. And so they develop these coping skills and when they become adults and the pressures of life come on and they hear like those dogs barking, they hear um, you know, words against them, things that, that are really hurtful and harmful to your well-being, right? They will have such a strong self-identity that those words will will take no effect, right? Mm -hmm. They won't really hit them as hard. But if they don't have that um, developed within them, when they become adults and they enter into challenging relationships, those challenges will cause them a lot of mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. 
I definitely agree. And so we just kind of listed off a couple of things that a child really needs from a parent, um, you know, and it's just something that we're going to go through kind of quickly, um, you know, in, in addition to physical, uh, physical, how would you say physical things like the the home, the shelter, or whatever? Food and clothing. Food and clothing. Which, There's yes. a lot to being a parent than just those physical things. So yes. number one is love. Number two is affection. Three security. Four stability. Five consistency. Number six emotional support. Seven is structure. Eight education, and nine good role models. And I think that kind of begins with your home as far as you. As an adult, I think every you know boy or girl they look up to a dad or a mom as their heroes. You know, maybe to until they kind of grow up until the teen years and they hit this place of like, oh, you don't know it all, you know, or I know better. But at least up till those developing years, those important years, they have somebody to really look up to. So I think that's a responsibility of a parent just to be real, really good uh, role models. So let's take a look at those because that was a very quick read. So love. Um, they need love. They need unconditional love. And they need to know that you are their advocate. You know, when you are a parent of a young child, you really are an authoritarian uh, because what you say goes. When your child becomes an older teenager, you start moving and transitioning from an authoritarian to an influencer and most parents really struggle with that transition and they are at a, a war of wills with their children mm -hmm. but really what's going to help you bridge the gap is laying that foundation of unconditional love that no matter where what your child does it doesn't change the way that you love them so there's this lisa bevere book called without rival that um, really inspired me. Her book uh, talks about the love of God and how most of us think that God loves all of his children equally. And the fact of the matter is that may not be as true as we have believed. Um, what we do know is that God loves us uniquely mm. because he created us as unique be beings and the kind and the type of love that I need is different from you. And when I heard that, it impacted me as a Christian and my walk with the Lord, but it also changed the way that I parent a little bit and understanding uh, my children and that my love for each one of them is unique. And they don't have to be at competition in competition or at odds with one another trying to get my affection, right? Because they are unique beings. I've asked God to help me um, become aware of the, of the kind of love that they need. Mm -hmm. um, even as children, this morning I was laying over on the couch and it was just so beautiful. Um, they would take turns, you know, who's going to snuggle dad? And... Um, you see the little bit of competitiveness, but I always just look them both in the eyes and tell them, you know, who they are to me and that uh, there, there is no need for them to compete with the love of dad because there's enough love for everyone. That's good. That's very true. And you know what? And all this, I know it may sound like, uh, what does this have to do with mental health? But all of these things play a big role in kind of shaping the child 
and helping them to really step into their individuality. So I think whenever we, you know, give them what they need and just kind of like Ryan said, each child is so different, just watching our child in that specific season and seeing what exactly it is that they need or adjusting something if there's some kind of a change that happened and you can really see their behavior shift like what do you need to adjust are you not giving them something maybe something happened in your life um, that just kind of took your attention away from them and so maybe this is a way for them to scream out to you for help so Mm -hmm. sometimes a child doesn't do it because they're trying to get in trouble they're doing it to really scream for help Um, and i know sometimes it can be frustrating whenever they don't tell you that they need help but they just do a thing that you know, is hurtful or say things that are hurtful. Um, You know, it may not sound like an adult talking, but it's just their way of subliminally telling you, hey, I need help. seeking your attention. Yeah. If you notice any changes in the behavior of your child, you have to start asking your questions. You know, Mm -hmm. have I become disconnected from them? Have I been preoccupied with other things? Do they need more attention? Is there something else going on? Is there something going on at school? Should should I be asking them about it? Um, pay attention to the emotional cues of your children, especially the really young ones, because they don't yet have the full language skills to be able to express what they're feeling. You know, before you go into any, any further, one thing that I also wanted to address is, especially during those younger years where they you know, are just now stepping into a phase of communicating with you and using words. Uh, It's very important to feed them good foods and, you know, monitor their input and output. Like recently, I, I just realized this with Toby, like he was like on a different level and he's the calm child of the family. And what I've noticed is just what helps me is just reading like, okay, have they had enough water? Have they had you know, too much sweets, like were we out and about and I was more lenient about them eating specific foods that I don't normally give them. And sure enough, you know, I came to a conclusion about two days later that he was dehydrated, which if you look that up, even an adult would go off mentally um, when they're dehydrated and they don't know that. So you have to remind them, like uh, when I see a specific thing in Mila, I'm like, honey, you need to drink more water. Or we put a little bottle right next to her bed so she can wake up in the morning and drink it. Or sometimes at night they wake up and they need to drink. So just also monitoring their food, um, that can also help them, you know, uh, be stable mentally, especially during the first few years of their life. Yeah. We, uh, you know, ever since we've had children, I've become so much more aware of the role that water plays in our life mm-hmm. and how much a difference in their attitude, whether or not they're hydrated. And with so many sugary drinks now on the market, and it's very easy to get those kind of sugary drinks, it's very important. Just because your child is drinking liquids doesn't mean that they're hydrated. Absolutely. And sugar is a really horrible culprit um, that will affect the um, the attitude of a child. Mm-hmm. And of course, making sure that they're getting good sleep, going to bed at a reasonable time. Now, all of these sound, sound ve- like very practical things, but they are really... Um, teaching your child the the habits and the coping mechanisms that they're going to need as an as an adult, and even right now, the little things um, in establishing a daily routine, mm-hmm. making sure that they make their bed, and for them that might just mean pulling their cover back, or because they're so small and they do have bigger beds, 
But having that as a routine in their mind, if I go in there and that bed is not, I said, Mila, pull your blanket back up over your bed. That's not how it works. Keeping their room cleans, clean. And even this, even their dental health. Mm. Dental health can affect your the rest of the, the health of your body and even your mind. Keeping their mouths clean is very important. And I know that we are talking about kind of surface level mental health um, things. So this doesn't necessarily apply to children who are on the autistic spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't necessarily even apply to ADD, OCD, those kind of things that some children do have. However, I'll say this. I believe that there are a lot of children who are misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. I think that autism is a problem and it's probably something we should discuss for another episode. And those, those, all of those issues should be addressed and you should consult your doctor and um, whatever support your children needs, including other kind of physical or educational therapy. um, It's important that you assess those needs because sometimes if there is something like autism going on with your child what we're saying isn't going to work it's not going to be the end-all be-all when it comes to their mental health however i do believe that if the average parent would just start addressing and ticking off some of these boxes that we're talking about they might be surprised to see that either their child does not have add or their child maybe has autism, but is on the far lower end of the spectrum than they ever assumed Mm -hmm. and is a very high functioning autistic child. So, um, and we're not experts when it comes to autism. We do know parents who have autistic children and have observed the way that they care for their children. And it takes a very special grace um, to endure a lot of, you know, the tantrums and the frustration that comes along um with it but what i i did want to preface this by saying you know try these things first before you go and start giving your child ritalin Mm -hmm. if you if they if you think that they are off the walls well a lot of children are off the walls because they don't have good food habits as well as they're not as active as children 50 years ago were And their face is constantly in front of a screen. And you caring about the little details of your child's life, including their health, is a form of love. Love, uh, you know, hugging your children, kissing them, you know, those physical things are just one part of, of the language that you're speaking to your child to say, I love you and I care about you. They also need Um, here on this list, security. Mm -hmm. They need to feel safe. Children um, don't need to feel the stress. You know, oh, to be a child again. Well, some children are feeling the weight of the world and they should not feel that kind of stress. That means making sure that you are guarding when you are talking about certain things that are of adult nature, right? Mm -hmm. Bills, arguing with your spouse, You know, all of that needs to be 
brought into check because Mm -hmm. if your children are constantly bombarded with these issues, you don't know it, but they are thinking about it. They are daydreaming about it. They are concerned and sometimes, if you're concerned. Yeah, and sometimes I think it's their fault, you know? I mean, we see that, you know, uh, through, like, a lot of therapists that we have talked with before is that they feel, like, children feel guilty whenever their parents divorce, and you know? And as a parent, they would probably feel like, well, you know, how, how is that? Like, how would you feel that? But a, a child really does take on, and they think maybe... I did something to cause them to go that route. You know what I mean? So children do think about those things. And even, you know, our children in such a young young age, even some of the topics that we do talk about and we think that they don't comprehend, they start comprehending and putting like two and two together. So it's very important to kind of guard their ears and their eyes, um, you know, from from even ourselves sometimes with a lot of things that we carry on with as adults. Yeah, so we've been talking about mental health and how your mental health journey doesn't begin when you're an adult. It actually starts as a child. From Mm -hmm. the moment you're born, the way that you think and feel about the world is being shaped. It's being shaped by your family structure, by your social constellation, where you're born in the world, you know, your cultural um, influences. It's being shaped by music now, television because of technology. Mm. It's even being shaped by social media. It's scary to even think that our children have a digital footprint already. Mm-hmm. And the world knows about that digital footprint and is already preparing to market to them. And not only marketing to them, but really programming to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very important topic. We're going to continue this topic in the next episode, but what I do want to tell you is that in a couple of weeks, we are going to be having a special guest, an expert in this field. Um, We're having Dr. Caroline Leaf. Yes, I'm so excited. She has a new book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk to her about her new book, but also just mental health strategies all together and when i tell you she understands mental health she holds a mental health summit so we are not experts in this field we are parents so we have some level of expertise there Mm -hmm. we are you know bible studiers and scholars and preachers teachers but we are not experts in the mental health field so we wanted to make sure to bring you someone so that's coming in a couple of weeks she's going to be on the podcast but um we want to continue this conversation in our next episode still talking about children and addressing their mental health needs as well we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and we hope that if you're on youtube you'll like and subscribe and hit that bell notification But wherever you're listening, make sure to subscribe, rate this podcast, and let us know how you are enjoying this series on spring cleaning. This is definitely a needed conversation for sure, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. We'll see you guys in the next episode.